Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, Pastor Gary, I feel that we should defer the communion to the end of the meeting, if that's okay. Okay, so God's been at work, but now we're going to, we're going to hear the word of the Lord. Pastor Gary is going to bring the message for today. And then uh, we'll do the offering prayer first. Okay, we'll do the offering prayer. I'll let Grace come and minister to us. Thank you. Amen. Uh, The Lord's presence is amazing this morning. And even as we give our offering, um, this verse uh, came to to me. uh, Kurt, can you show the... So this verse, as we pray for this offering, this is our prayer. It's in Luke 19.13. It's the parable of... It says, It's calling ten of his servants. He gave them ten minus and said to them, Engage in business until I come. So... Uh, it's really important that even as we do our day-to-day life, the Lord says as we wait for His return, we will engage in business until He comes. And even in the other uh, verse, it says, in, in other, uh, engage in business until He comes. In other, other verse, version, it says, do business till I come. And one of the things that spoke to me on this verse is the stewardship our financial resources is like a trust from god so we use wisely and faithfully to advance his kingdom everything we have come from god so we will use it responsibly and according to his purpose it's also an opportunity that we will partner with god in building his kingdom so god's in his work in his church to reach the lost in discipling his people so we pray for as we give our offering, let's ask the Lord, Lord, how do I participate in building your kingdom in our tithes and offering? The pastors are being used to preach his word, but we are given a chance to participate and engage in business until he comes. And there's an urgency in this. Our time on earth is limited. We should make use of it by investing in eternal purposes. Amen. So our time is limited and we are given this time to engage and invest in eternal purposes. Let us be proactive in our giving. And as we give, we are participating in the preparation of His return. So there's a portion in that that He will come back. And we have a sense of anticipation in His coming. And we are helping the church prepare for His return as we give our tithes and offering. Amen. So let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord that you have said in your word in Luke 19.13 that we will engage in business until you come. Engage, Lord, in building your kingdom, your business, until we, you come. And we will anticipate of your return as we invest in eternal purposes, even with our finances, with our time. We are investing and we are preparing and anticipating your return because it's limited time. And Lord, we are, you are giving us opportunity to be part and invest in eternal purposes. So Lord, we pray that each one of us, you speak, Lord, that we indeed be part of this. Because this is an opportunity for us that you're giving, Lord. And we pray that each of one of us will take that opportunity to be engaged in your business. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Grace. Thank you, Pastor Grace. We'll just take up the offering. Did you do that? Oh, you've done that, yeah. So now just a couple of announcements I'd like to share with you. If we can put the first slide up. Fantastic. The Joel II Army are meeting today. So it's a fortnightly meeting for the young, the youth are rising up and uh, we are equipping the young people Hallelujah for these last days. So just a reminder for the young people and an opportunity to invite other young people to come and join the the youth, the young adults here every fortnight. Next one. Every fortnight as well, we have a meeting in Yatla. The church is going strong in Yatla. Yatla on the north the north of the Gold Coast, right on the border of Brisbane. 
we meet fortnightly. So next week, we will be meeting again in Yatla. We're letting you know so that you can tell your friends that live in Brisbane or Logan, they can join the church in Yatla fortnightly. Next slide. We're having a worship night at the end of this month in here in the hall. And we'd like to invite you all to come and worship. Praise and worship as we have this morning. Praise and worship the Lord. It is not to replace church. It is not a substitute for the morning. So don't come to that and not come to church. Church is the most important. But we are putting on a worship night for those who love to worship, who want to be to come and bless the Lord. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm going to invite Pastor Gary now to come up. Thank you. Hallelujah. Who felt the presence of the Lord during worship? Sue did. Is that it? Just Sue? No? Everyone, awesome. Awesome. Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. Who voted yesterday in Fadden? Friday. Who had a blackout? Who lives in Fadden last night? Gloria was just telling me that most of Fadden was blacked out after the election results were announced. Isn't that strange when the other party that lost are in power in this state? If you don't think we're in dark times, things are happening. Things are happening. Sue, thank you for getting up and sharing this morning. I was going to get you up anyway so you could share your testimony from yesterday. <laughs> Absolutely. Sally, thank you for leading the prayer before. There's going to be more of it. It's good. If, you know, if, if someone's ill in this church and we don't know about it, let me assure you, Sally will know. When it comes to pastoral care, Sally's all over it. So hallelujah. And Graham, where are you? Up the back there? I'm proud of you, man. You got to the point where you had to cry out to the Lord in desperation. And he answered your prayer the very next day. I'm proud of you. That's an encouragement for all of you. If the Lord's not answering your prayers, how desperate are you? Do you actually want Him to answer them? Because when you do reach rock bottom and you call out to Him, He will answer. When you think you're at rock bottom, you're probably not. So go a little bit deeper. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to continue on with our seven deadly sins. So where do we start last week? Pride. Who's pride's best mate? Anger. So we're going to touch on anger today. If this sermon makes you angry, you need to hear it. We know that the seven deadly sins are the inward attitudes that affect character as well as conduct. And though Jesus, or through Jesus, and the power of the Holy Spirit who is here this morning, we can be delivered from these seven deadly sins. Everything comes out of them. Everything comes out of them. So we're going to talk about the second one today. That's anger. Let's pray. Actually, before we even do that, let me just... The Lord led me to a verse during during worship. And this, I think, is a good word for, for the church. And it's, it's backing up Graham's testimony this morning. It's Hebrews 4, 12. It says, For the word of God, the, sorry, for the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, it says in the Amplified Version, operative, energising and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword penetrating to the dividing line and breath of life, our soul, and the immortal spirit. And it, 
and of joints and marrow and of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analysing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. You know, maybe you're praying for something, but your your thoughts aren't right. Maybe the purposes that you're praying for that aren't right. You change them when you get to that point of desperation. The Lord steps in. I'm going to leave that with you, but let's pray. Father, we thank you for the sunlight of this day. How good is it outside, church? This is winter on the Gold Coast. It lasts for about three days every year. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the air we breathe. Thank you for the food, Lord, that nourishes our bodies. Thank you, Father, for the gift of eternal life that we have through faith in Jesus. Thank you for the joy of fellowship in your family, Lord. Thank you for the, for the privilege, Lord, that you grant us of being earners and givers. Lord, as we've just taken up our tithes and offerings, these are an indication of our love for you. And we, we pray that you use them to see others come to your kingdom. Lord, today, let us give ourselves to you totally. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, we get to that point point. we give ourselves totally to the Lord. Our lives change, don't they? The scripture we're going to concentrate on today is Proverbs 16.32. It says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Slow to anger. Just underline that. We'll come back to it. We're going to work through a few scriptures. The first one, Psalm 37.8. It says, Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. Who's been angry before? Did it hurt the other person or did it hurt you? Yes. Doesn't do us any good. Proverbs 16.32, let's read that one again. He who is slow to anger. Ladies, when I say he here, I also mean she. I see a few people looking at each other, a few husbands and wives looking at each other. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes the city. Matthew 5, 21 and 22 says, murder begins in the heart. It all begins in the heart. You know, adultery begins in the heart. You look at someone with lust in your eyes, you have committed adultery. Verse 21, have you heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. That makes it look a little bit different, doesn't it? When we're angry with our brother or sister without a cause. And whoever says to his brother, Rucker, shall be in danger of the council, but whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Mm. Deadly silence. The second deadly sin is a highly dangerous and destructive sin. Anger is highly dangerous and destructive. Bear with me. Kurt, can you just mute me for a moment, please? just need to move. Pride is at the head of this infamous list of sins. That's why we spoke about it last week. But following close on the heels is anger. You never notice prideful people are normally pretty angry people as well? Like pride, anger is a sin that inflicts us all. I'm sure no one can here can say that they've never been angry. No one is immune to it. No one. From the smallest child to the oldest adult, this sin stalks humankind. 
like a predatory animal, like a lion stalking those gazelles, looking for an unsuspecting meal. You know, a lot of the people that say they don't need to go to church, they're full of pride and anger. We've all seen that meme on Facebook, haven't we? With the, the gazelle getting chased by the lion. That's the person that says they don't need the church. They're too good for it. You just get picked off one by one. Parents. There's lots of parents in here. We're aware of the fierce temper of infants, aren't we? Aren't we? Grandparents, you know the fierce temper of an infant. Gloria's beautiful little granddaughter. I'm sure she has moments. <laughs> Babies cry out until they are red with anger. I've seen some adults do that too within the church. Childhood is no better, is it? They start off as little babies, they go into childhood. Fits of anger lead to bickering and self-centred fighting amongst siblings. Are some of us still carrying that from our childhood? We're still fighting with our siblings? Outward displays in childhood degenerate into sulking and pouting in teenagers. Remember when you were a teenager? You might have sulked a little, probably pouted. Now we're all older than that, aren't we? We, we? we miss that part of our teenage years. Anger causes a wife to develop a headache and a husband to slam doors. Older adults may suffer from ulcers and hypertension and stress, which is aggravated by violent outbursts of temper. We all know that grumpy old man from our childhood, don't we? Are some of us now that grumpy old man ourselves? Grumpy old lady? Gordy, stop looking at Sally. <laughs> we can laugh at this because it's us, isn't it? We've all seen it. We've all been part of it. Our first thing today is uncontrollable anger is a sign of weakness, though. Uncontrollable anger is a sign of weakness. Proverbs 16.32 says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. The majority of people are able to subdue their anger into a controllable reaction on most occasions. Husbands and wives, you know what I'm talking about. We are in situations sometimes myself and Pastor Amanda and she just looks at me, she knows. I've got to control my response with some circumstances. But we've all had those circumstances and those times when our patience has been tried, hasn't it? If you're in ministry, or you've been in ministry, you know what I'm talking about. During those stressful periods, we become a different person. When we get angry, we become a different person, don't we? When we're stressed, we become a different person. <laughs> Have a look at our Prime Minister just in the last day or so. Didn't want to answer questions, got cranky and walked off set. Wasn't like that when he was wanting to get elected, was he? I'll look after you, it's okay. We need to be praying for this country. We need to be praying for this nation. We are on a very slippery downhill slope. If you want to see the direction we're heading, have a look at South Africa. Have a look at China. That's the direction we're heading. Does anyone want that? Some of you left those nations. Excuses to downplay our temper tantrums are often offered, aren't they? When we get stressed and we become angry, we just make excuses. We say that we're just letting off steam. Has anyone said that? Has anyone made that excuse for someone else? Or that, you know, oh, I was temporarily insane. 
You notice most people, when they go to court for something, they're now pleading temporary insanity. And our courts allow that. The truth is that we've lost control when we get to that position. We let our passion go unchecked. And when this happens, our personalities become repulsive. Who likes being around a a cranky person? We become repulsive, don't we? We become irrational. Anyone tried arguing with a two-year-old? There's adults like that. And we border on being animalistic instead of human. I can preach this because I've been there. You don't need to agree, Pastor Amanda. (laughs) Before I met Pastor Amanda, she's just backing me up. She's full of support. It's awesome. (laughs) But we've all been there, right? Every single one of us in this room has been there. If we were ever a two-year-old child, we've been there. And our scripture passage tells us that such conduct is the opposite of strength. It's a weakness of character. It shows lack of discipline. And anger that is uncontrolled motivates us to action. It leads us to say and do things that we later regret. It's so highly destructive that a long-time friendship can be destroyed in just a few minutes of unchecked fury. And our scripture also implies that not all anger is evil. Be careful with this because I've heard way too many people lose it and then say, but it's a righteous anger, pastor. Show me the fruit. Tells us that he that is slow to anger doesn't say that he that never gets angry. God's a vengeful God, right? Therefore, God must get angry about some things sometimes. But he's slow to anger. He gives us an opportunity. He gives us plenty of warnings before he does something. We've seen... We've seen ministers here on the Gold Coast that the Lord has taken out. They've had plenty of opportunities to address their actions, address their preaching, address how they fleece their sheep. I said to Pastor Amanda yesterday, and I'm not prophesying this, I'm not going to say who it is, but there's more to come in the coming couple of years. We need to get ourselves right. The Bible indicates that on more than one occasion, God became angry with both people and circumstances. But God's anger is slow in coming. Hallelujah for that, because I'm a little bit slow in learning sometimes. And it's usually tempered by those chances for us to be forgiven. That's why I think it's a great idea that Pastor Amanda thinks we should do communion at the end. Because really, when we hear the Word of God, we need to weigh it up with where we're at. And the Bible tells us that we should not take communion if we're not worthy. We need to be following God and judging fruit. Let me say that again for the people at the back. We need to be following God and judging fruit. We're coming to a place of confrontation. Some of us are already there. Right or wrong, true or false. How are we going to react? I can't answer that for you. How are you going to react when you get to that choice of right or wrong or true or false? What Elijah focused on became his reality. What you focus on will become your reality. I've gone a little bit off on a tangent here because we need to understand if you don't focus on the right thing, you will become angry and you'll fall straight into this sin. But why is the Lord not answering my prayers? Maybe you're not asking the right prayers. You're not praying the right prayers. You're not doing what you need to do. Praise the Lord that Graham came to the point where he's saying, Lord, why isn't this happening? Because sometimes he wants us on our knees and on our face, doesn't he? 
It's time to be who God has called us to be. We don't need someone else's mantle. If God has called you to stand in Broadwater Parklands on a Saturday morning and pray, do that. Be who God's called you to be. Don't try and be like Rodney Howard Brown. Don't try and be like some minister or some evangelist because you're not them. Be who he's called you to be. Try not to get angry. <laughs> it's frustrating, isn't it? As a minister, it's like, oh, I just want to be like that person. We were at a breakfast a couple of months ago, high-profile, multinational minister who owns several jets, so you can narrow it down, stands up in front of everyone and says, don't you all just want to be like me? No, we don't. We want to be like Jesus. But if you want to drop a million dollars in the bank, okay. We can do something with it. Uncontrollable anger leads to personal harm. That's our second thing. Let me tell you, that day, Pastor Amanda sitting just next to me, I'm rubbing her back. Sally's like, oh, isn't that sweet? I'm trying to calm her down so she doesn't leap over the tables. That was righteous anger, let me tell you. But uncontrollable anger leads to personal harm. Psalm 37, 8 says, Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. What are we fretting about? Isn't God in control? But, you know, with climate change, we're all going to die, we're all going to be... God controls the weather. Does anyone remember the ozone layer disappearing? The ice caps melting, we'll have no oil. Guess what? We're all still here. All the rich people are still buying oceanfront properties. God controls the weather. Stop being angry about that stuff. We live on the 19th floor, so we're okay. If, if it was true, we, we, we have a waterfront property now. Hallelujah. But God controls the weather. Anger is such a strong emotion that when it subsides, it generally leaves a person emotionally drained. Have you ever got so angry with someone that you need to go and have a nap afterwards? Because you're so drained? You ever notice little children when they're really blowing up and they're red in the face and they're screaming at you? The next thing they do is go and have a sleep? Some of us adults still do that. Some people are better than others at getting over a fit of rage. Husbands and wives, you know what I'm talking about. We can snap at each other and then everything's back to normal a little bit later, or it should be. Hmm. Anger can be so upsetting that any number of physical ailments can occur. Loss of appetite. Inability to sleep. We're so cranky with someone we can't sleep and we can't eat. We're stressed because we're cranky with someone. Headaches, indigestion, high blood pressure. There's so many other things. Why do we do it to ourselves? Because you being angry with someone isn't really affecting them. At times, these physical systems might, physical symptoms may disappear, only to reappear later when we see that person again who caused the anger. Have you got people you look at and think straight away, oh, I've got to walk this way. I can't be near them. A lot of them are politicians, right? Nick? <laughs> Anyone that doesn't know, Nick works at a radio station and all the politicians like to come and visit when there's an election on. But we, that's right. But we, we've all been there, haven't we? Where we just see someone and straight away our blood pressure goes up. It's not affecting them. It's affecting you. Perhaps it's time to start praying for deliverance instead of healing. Let me say that again. Sometimes we're praying for people's healing, but we should be praying for their deliverance. Deliverance. 
When Jesus called the 12, he gave them power, didn't he? If he's called you, he's given you that same power. You can control this. You can control your anger. Man, if Peter can control his anger, when the sons of thunder, if they can control their anger, you got the same power, you can do it. Anger in cases like this soon becomes hatred, doesn't it? And hatred leads to more serious issues. Rage can rob us of our self-esteem. You know, most really angry people hate themselves. They've got no self-esteem because they've driven everyone away from them. And it's always everyone else's fault. That's something else we'll touch on in a few weeks' time. People get angry with themselves because they've allowed themselves to lose control. So maybe instead of getting angry, repent. Pray that the Lord delivers you from that anger. People chastise themselves, which causes guilt and confusion and frustration. Some of us have been there. Why did I do that? Shouldn't have done it. Confused why I did it. Now I feel bad. And then you get frustrated and angry with yourself and the cycle starts over. Such uncontrolled anger leads our thinking and our attitudes to be marred, to be wrong. We have a pastor friend who says it's stinking thinking. You've got to stop that. One scripture passage says, fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Don't get so stressed or angry within yourself that you actually do more evil. You know, we, we blame the devil for a lot of stuff, but it's our actions. Fretting causes us to think in evil ways of how we should get even. I heard a couple of gasps then. We like to get even, don't we? Starts the cycle. Because when you get even with that person, well, yeah, they, they want to go to the next step. It just escalates and escalates. Plotting evil makes us more like Satan than like God. If you want to get even with someone, it makes you more like Satan than it does God. Because you're plotting I believe it's time for many of us to start repenting and praying instead of decreeing and declaring. There's so many false prophets. You see them on Facebook. I decree this. I declare that. Maybe repent and pray first. You might get better results. It works. If we repent and pray, it works. Did Grain go out and declare that he was getting that job? Or did he pray to the Lord? Did he declare that it was his job or did he pray to the Lord? Praying and repenting works. I'm throwing a few little nuggets into this message which is, might be a little bit hard to swallow for you. There's some little sugar treats there. Grab them. This is especially true for those who believe that they are prophets, that they need to start repenting and praying. The word is the soil of prophecy. You know how many prophets don't read this? You know, I can put these in because we're talking about anger. So if you get angry, it's your issue, not mine. There's no prayer without the word. That's for everyone. There is no prayer without this. Read your Bible. Our third thing is uncontrolled anger leads to evil. We can all agree on that, right? Matthew 5.22 says, But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council, not the Gold Coast Council. But whoever says, you fool, 
shall be in danger of hellfire. Jesus explained this passage that the sin of murder begins in anger. Just like the sin of lust, which we'll talk about in a few weeks' time, begins with looking at someone the wrong way. For those who take temper tantrums lightly and excuse their emotional displays of fury as being just my fiery nature. We've all heard that, right? They need to realise that they've broken one of the Ten Commandments because the Ten Commandments are still in existence today. Mind you, some of us are like the first lot of tablets that come off the mountain. We've already built our golden calves, so we don't really care. Jesus doesn't take this lightly. He counts making excuses as a disobedience. And I'd say to you, if you're not obedient to his word, are you even really saved? Because how could you call yourself a believer if you're not obedient to his word? Which bit do you believe? Someone who goes a step further by calling someone a stupid fool or rucker, which means you good for nothing, has progressed further in his degeneration. I spent years hearing this. My grandfather told me, we lived with him when I was a small child. I heard this every single day of my life until the day he died when I was 16, 17 years old. You are good for nothing. You are good for nothing. You are good for nothing. There's power in the tongue. There's power in our words. Who else has heard that? Who's had people tell them that? Praise the Lord that the younger generation doesn't hear that from us. It hurts, right? You carry that. And we forgive them. But we know that they've degenerated to that stage to something completely different. Jesus said that he is dangerously, the person who does that, dangerously close to hellfire. I had to repent many years ago. I remember the day I'd been away surfing for a week and I pulled up to mum and dad's house and I saw the doctor's car there. And straight away, I wasn't a believer at this stage. Straight away, I knew that my grandfather had passed away. And the first thing that went through my mind, and I wasn't a believer, was thank you, Lord. We don't have to put up with that pain anymore. I had to repent for that. But that's one of those things that we carry for years. That's why we need to be repenting and praying. I can be real with this church. We're family, right? I don't preach anything that I haven't lived through myself. I'm willing to pay the price for what the Lord has called us to do. I want to challenge all of you. Are you willing to pay that price for what he's calling you to? You don't need someone else's mantle. Pride and anger are the first two deadly sins. You know, there's two things that aren't preached in churches. Actually, three. Repentance, sin, and that hell is real. You're going to get all three of them over the coming weeks. Not because I want to scare anyone. Not because I want to come across as a cranky pastor. But because I want to make sure we're ready. The Lord's coming back. Sooner than some of us would be comfortable with. Anger is that out-of-control thing that is as dangerous as murder. It leads to murder. Anger causes physical harm to ourselves and leads to physical harm for others. People can seldom change their nature by personal resolve. They need outside help. We ministered in a drug and alcohol rehab for three years. 
People can't change themselves, otherwise they wouldn't be going to a drug and alcohol rehab. They need outside help. What we've carried with us through life, if we're still carrying it, we need outside help. We can't do it ourselves. If you think you can, fantastic, but I'll tell you, you're probably wrong. Over the years that we've been married, nine, nine years, ten years in April next year, we're very different people, both broken, both angry, different ways, different reasons. But, you know, I was always the hard one. Amanda was always the soft one. If you think that's the case now, you've got things really backwards because Pastor Amanda has become more like me and I've become more like her. I couldn't have done that by myself. Jesus Christ was able to change the Gadarean demon demoniac, wasn't he? From a wild rampaging beast to a calm, quiet, effective witness. And he can do the same with your temper. You know, we can talk about this stuff because what we don't like in the world is also present in the church. Domestic violence, which the true numbers aren't skewed towards the female side, it's actually 50-50 when it becomes when it comes to domestic violence, is rampant within the churches as well, not just out in the world. It comes down to temper, anger. The same thing that was done for that demoniac can be done for us as well. If you'd like to change, I invite you to come to Christ today. Truly come to Christ today. Know him. Learn about him. Try and understand him. If you're watching online today and you, you're angry because we started the online service half an hour late, you should have been here. The Holy Spirit was moving during worship. Now, we run two churches on a Sunday. Those that are here, experiencing the Holy Spirit's power, and those that watch online. I encourage you, if you're watching online, come to church. I know some people are away this weekend. But if you want to change, invite Christ to come along and change you. Start repenting. Start praying. Pray for prudence. That one's for Nick. If you were at the prayer meeting yesterday, you'll understand it. Pray for prudence and discretion, not seduction and manipulation. Too many of us pray for seduction and manipulation. That's witchcraft. Ask yourself, am I putting away the truth and adopting the false? We need to ask ourselves that. Do we, do we like the false because it shines a little bit brighter and it's like a little bit of glitter on it? Do we like that better? Do we put the truth away to have that? So many believers don't abide in the truth. So many believers don't abide in the truth. They don't abide in the fellowship. You know, I don't need to go to church. I've got a relationship with God. Let me tell you, God created his church. But I can assure you there is always an accountability for whatever we choose, right or wrong, truth or false. There is always an accountability. One day we're going to stand at the judgment sheet. One day. Each and every one of us will stand there. And the words we want to hear are, well done, good and faithful servant. Not, I did not know you. But I cast out demons in your name. I got 50,000 people saved. I did this. I did not know you. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's start as a church. I'm going to finish up here, Pastor Amanda. And we'll have communion in just a moment. But let's start as a church praying for supernatural insight. As a church, let's start praying for supernatural insight. Myself and Pastor Amel, we prayed for that this morning as we were led by Pastor Grace. We actually, I think we prayed for the last, same sort of thing last Sunday afternoon together as well. Pray for supernatural insight. 
Start praying for supernatural wisdom. We have the mind of Christ. Let's pray for that wisdom. We won't be getting angry then, will we? We won't be prideful. The gifts are activated. Here's here's a little trick for everyone. Here's the key that will unlock the door. The gifts are activated when Jesus is exalted. Why do you think he moved during worship? Why do you think yesterday during our prayer meeting at six o'clock in the morning, man, it was cold. It was dark. And Sue's like, I'm healed. We were just praying as a group because we were exalting him. God wants to release the anointing to prosper. This is not a prosperity message. Don't take this the wrong way. But as you give, God gives back to you. As you give him your time, he'll give you time to do stuff for him. As you give him your life, oh man, the rewards are so good. I don't understand how anyone who's not a, who, who calls himself a believer can't read this and get excited. This is the list of what God's going to give you back. Everything that's been taken from us will be given back. Everything the locusts ate will be given back. The question for you, who sent the locusts? Was it the devil? No, it was God. He sent the plagues and then gave it all back. Maybe some of us are in a drought. Maybe the plague has eaten everything. It's coming back. What's God waiting for you to do? He wants to release an anointing to prosper. If the Father asks you to do something, it means He actually trusts you to do it. He's not going to ask you to do something you can't do. Or maybe He will, but He'll give you the power to do it. He trusts you. Has everyone here, has the Lord asked them to do something? Has he trusted you to do it? If he hasn't asked you to do something, ask him what it is. A great prayer to wake up with in the morning is, Lord, what would you have me do today? And then get ready to do it. But before all of that, you need to repent for your sins and especially anger. There's way too many angry Christians out there. We should be smiling, we should be happy. You want to smile about something? There's people pushing their faces against the window to see what's happening in here. That's something to smile about. Remember this. Our justification, sanctification and glorification equals our salvation. They're the three things we need to be aiming for. We've been justified, we've been sanctified and we've been glorified. That's our salvation. What are we doing with it? Now we can get angry and say, but Pastor Gary, that's oh, it's hard work. If you get angry, this will be a podcast tomorrow morning. You can listen to it again. That's our salvation, justification, sanctification, and glorification. So let's go on to perfection with that. In Jesus' mighty name. Let's pray. Are we going to have communion before we worship? We're going to sing first. Lord, I thank you that we are a church that has a run sheet and we just don't use it most of the time. Because we allow you to move, Lord. Lord, move in this place. Move in this place, Lord. During this next song and during communion, Lord, have your way in this house this morning. Lord, I thank you that you've chosen each and every one of us. Lord, for those that don't know what your purpose is for them, put it on their heart this morning. Lord, the glory is yours. The glory is all yours, Lord. Take us on to perfection. Take us on to perfection, Lord. Lord, for those that are ill in the house, that are watching online, we lift them up to you in Jesus' name this morning. And we pray healing into their lives. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's stand. We're going to receive. We're going to just sing to the Lord now.
Thank you, Lord. Mm. 